Emergency Response Executive Ken Jenkins draws from his years of experience in deployment, logistics, planning, and after-action analysis to take you inside the black box. Now, here's Ken Jenkins. Hey, welcome to the Black Box. I'm your host, Ken Jenkins. And today, my guest in the studio is Mr. Larry Wansley, Director of Security for the Dallas Cowboys Football Club, or more widely known as America's Team. You may remember Larry from last week's conversation in episode nine about the role of corporate security in the aftermath of a disaster. And that conversation was so robust, I've asked Larry to join us again in episode 10 and continue the topic of corporate security in the aftermath of a disaster. In a previous life, Larry was a managing director of corporate security for American Airlines from 1992 to 2004, where together we responded to multiple fatality accidents within the airline, including AA Flight 965 in Cali, Columbia, the 9-11 terrorist attacks involving American and United Airlines, as well as a crash of Flight 587 in New York City. If you'd like additional background on Mr. Wansley, please uh, go back and listen to episode nine. I, th- you'll, I think you'll find his background not only diverse, but very interesting as well. Larry, welcome back to the Black Box. Thank you, Ken. Happy to be back. When we were last talking in episode nine, we finished that session discussing some of the nuances to the response to the, the terrorist attacks of September 11th. And we left that session with a little bit of a teaser, and I hope everybody came back to listen to this, this, this uh, episode because you, your background is so diverse that I, I'd like you to share some of the stories that you have about some of the oddest or strangest security tasks you've had to perform, whether it was an aviation accident or maybe something with the, the Dallas Cowboys or uh, as an FBI agent that we can relate to other, uh, other organizations that, you know, regardless of their business, what, what they can learn from those stories. So what was like one of the strangest things that you've ever had to do from a corporate security standpoint? Well, certainly, Ken, um, in, in my previous background, there were so many exotic and unusual circumstances. But since we're talking about aviation, I think that uh, I'll, I'll focus on 965 because it was one of the, aside from 9-11, obviously, but to prior to 9-11, it was one of the most unusual and, and difficult situations that we had to deal with. And as a result, um, it was a situation where... You may recall that it was Christmas of 1995, mm-hmm. and we thought it was a terrorist event. Um, the, the flight went down in guerrilla territory in Colombia, on a mountaintop, the, um, the rainforest, if you will, and that was the territory of, uh, of the guerrillas. And, and so consequently, that was the first thing that we thought. Well, it's been shot down by a missile or, or what have you. As a result of that, some of the circumstances that took place there were very, very unusual. First of all, we couldn't get to the to the site, which was at roughly 13,000 plus feet on the mountain. We had a base camp that the Colombian uh, Army a military had established for us at about 85, 8,600 uh, feet. 
the rest of the way up the mountain was by foot through through the the dense rainforest, the jungle, so to speak. Um, an oddity was the fact that uh, on foot I got split up and I wound up with a group of Colombian locals whom I swear to this day they were probably members of the park, but they treated me very, very well. And uh, so consequently, as we fought our way up the, up the mountain and what have you, and we were certainly told that the time up there is very, very limited because once it gets dark, and it was a very dangerous area, no question about it, but consequently, as we, as we hacked our way, they were using machetes and everything else, um, one very odd, embarrassing situation was where I tried to pull myself up over a muddy ledge. I grabbed onto a root of a tree trying to pull myself over, and I slipped, and I fell down the mountainside through the brush, the, the jungle, you name it. And you may recall, I liken it to a movie called Romancing the Stone, where Michael Douglas falls down a mountaintop, and I didn't have the, for lack of a better description, glorious landing that he did, but it was pretty <laughs> beaten up. But the point of it is, got back up, got up to the crash scene, and it was one of the most horrible situations that I had to personally deal with because here you have wreckage, you have um, bags, you have luggage that's strewn about the trees, and here were the local people that were up in the trees that were trying on the clothes and everything else. And as I stood alongside the, um, the portion of the, the cockpit, I saw three, three drawings, and uh, they were... In prog they were drawn by a child, obviously. Two were completed, and there was one that was obviously interrupted by the crash. And I, I just sat there in the mud, and I cried because I thought, here are all these people that are going home for Christmas, and it ends like this. At that time, still thought it may have been a terrorist event and what have you. But that was only the beginning because the... The morgue, the field morgue, was uh, established at a gymnasium-type building next to a soccer field in a place called Buga. They were very, very far behind in terms of their technology and everything else in, in terms of doing postmortems and, and so forth. And uh, that was very disheartening. One of the most unusual things about that, and certainly there were many, uh, there was a young vic victim, uh, a boy, who was the child of a uh, mother and father that were divorced. The father was a member of the cartel. The mother lived in Miami. And we got into a situation where the care team members, whose responsibility was to support the families and everything else, um, they had made arrangements in Miami. Basically, the father had the body stolen, brought to Columbia. The care team members were inserted trying to help the, the mother get the body back and forth, I mean, get the body back. So you had a couple of transitions of the boy's body uh, between Columbia and, and Miami, which required us to really do some thinking outside the box, so to speak, and uh, employ some um, enhanced security measures for the personal protection of all involved. Great. And, Larry, I, I know that 965 was so different because it was on foreign – um, soil. Um, any other pieces of, of advice you would share with air carriers flying internationally that they need to take uh, take into consideration in terms of security protocols? 
Oh, without question, because you're you're dealing with a foreign government and contacts preparation are absolutely crucial. Don't wait for it to happen because learning as you go is not the way to go. So plan, plan for the worst and make those contacts, establish those relationships. And that goes for any corporation, any business or what have you, preparing for any kind of a disaster. But particularly in foreign lands, their rules are different, their policies are different, their procedures. And so coordinating with the U.S. government entities. Larry, we need to take a short break, but when we come back, I want to talk more about the international exposure uh, to an airline in the aftermath of a disaster with regards to to corporate security and hear more of your stories about um, what your experiences were. We'll spend more time with Larry Wansley, Director of Security for the Dallas Cowboys, when we come back from the break. Buckle up. More of the Black Box is next on RNCN. You're tuned in to the Black Box with Ken Jenkins on RNCN. Hey, welcome back to the Black Box. I'm your host, Ken Jenkins. And today in the studio, our guest, Larry Wansley, Director of Security for the Dallas Cowboys and former Managing Director of Corporate Security for American Airlines. And when we were just getting ready to break, or actually during the break, Larry was sharing with me a story about a situation once during uh, his airline days in Lima, Peru. Larry, give us some more background or or provide that background uh, with that situation that you were talking about. One of the very, very first cases, for lack of a better description, or incidents um, that took place shortly after joining American Airlines was um, an American Airlines flight that was shot uh, multiple times um, from someone on the ground at Lima, Peru. Uh, The plane was landing, and it took... um, uh, various or several rounds into the overhead um, bins and then also into the cargo hold. Fortunately, no passenger was struck. We in obviously immediately uh, thought that now we have another act of terrorism and as a result, as we began to get into the investigation of it and what have you, the long and short of it uh, was the fact that it was the result of a labor dispute situation there at the airport. Um, one entity was, one security or safety entity was being phased out, i.e. a military, and uh, for a private um, resource, cost less money, etc. Well, the shots were actually fi- fired by a soldier who was very, very disgruntled and he wanted to show his displeasure at the uh, very slow progress of negotiations and what have you. And lo and behold, here comes a big silver airplane, uh, American Airlines, and as it's landing, he took out his frustration by firing at the airplane. And as I said, several rounds went into the overhead bends and then uh, into the cargo hold also. Fortunately, as I said, no, uh, no passengers were struck, but the investigation Uh, revealed the fact that this was an internal situation and what have you, but the airport itself is surrounded by some very, very seedy um, neighborhoods. There is a great deal of criminal activity that is taking place. Um, 
some some terroristic type uh, activities that had taken place. As a result, we wound up um, providing a helicopter. We bought a helicopter for the locals to basically patrol the airport grounds, the flight path, uh, prior to our planes landing and departing to ensure that there was no one simply hiding in the bushes, so to speak, that might... Um, you know, launch a um, you know projectile, be it a, a rifle or a rocket or something of that nature, at the airplane. Uh, it was an additional measure that uh, we felt we need to do something because we don't want to run into another situation like this. As a result, we provided a, a helicopter for them to do the patrols, and um, that worked out very well. But in addition to the patrol, the aerial patrol, we had patrols of the surrounding area in terms of the, the, the houses and the neighborhoods and so forth on the ground, just simply to make sure that we reduce the vulnerability of our aircraft. I mean, a tense situation at best, but I don't think this is anything that the flying public and, and certainly a lot of people in the airline don't know that these situations are always occurring, do they? Oh, no. There, there's so much that goes on behind the scenes, and, and that's the way it should be. We want the public um, to have a safe, enjoyable traveling experience. That's what it's all about. So many incidents that, that take place are behind the scenes, and that's the way it should be. Um, it, it's it's got to be that way, because there were so many situations that, that took place, quite frankly, uh, when I got into the business. There were so many things that I looked at that I experienced that actually blew me away. Uh, we had a Caribbean island, for example, that uh, on one side of the island were all the resort hotels. On the other side of the island was the airport. And we wound up having an incident of problem. We couldn't get our passengers from the resort areas to the airport because the banana farmers had staged a protest and they had blocked the roads and they were setting fire to vehicles and they were rioting and so forth. had nothing to do with us, but we couldn't get our passengers to the airport. So we had to shuttle them via helicopter and what have you. Uh, Situations like that. Uh, Haiti, another another country that experienced a variety of uh, very, very troublesome and dangerous situations and um, we had as you may recall two embargoes there well american airlines was the the biggest carrier flying well the only american carrier flying into into port-au-prince into haiti and we had a lot of issues there in terms of protect of the protection of number one our facilities our operation our employees and our passengers so we had to do a lot of uh, just exotic and unique things just to ensure the the safety of our of our passengers of our customers well i've i've worked in emergency response for for 24 plus years and certainly writing uh, checklists and procedures and drills and exercises and whatnot but not once did we ever have in our procedures what to do when banana farmers prohibit the travel of passengers from the resort area to the airport i mean it's just a testimony to how how an airline has to adapt back and forth to the various situations on a daily basis. And it's not just emergency response, but corporate security and, and the risk department, corporate uh, insurance, for example, and having to have a cohesive response. Oh, without question. And in some Central American countries, 
we had almost a coup of the week that we had to adapt to. Um, other situations involved um, projects that we handled in out of country. We had one in Pakistan uh, in partnership with Pakistani International Airlines, and um, we had 36 people over there that were part of our project that were threatened when the government was overthrown. We were we were seen as being affiliated with the uh, outgoing or the ousted prime minister, and consequently. They were being hunted by by the new military people that took over. I happened to be in Switzerland at the time, and I got a call from one of the uh, the, the unit leaders over there who said, "Hey, you've got to get here right away. This is what's happening." Well, first of all, wait a minute. The airports are shut down. They're hunting for you guys. I'm not coming over there. That's one more hostage. But guys, remember all the training that we uh, we initiated, all the times that I spoke to you about emergency plans and so forth and so on. And as a result, I said, go back to that. Call me back in 45 minutes, and we're going to execute the plans. Uh, two weeks later, we all met in London. Everybody was safe, but I got them out of country in a variety of ways that you know was safe for them. But here was a situation where our people were simply being perceived as part of the government that was being overthrown. So there are so many exotic situations that happen that you have to adapt to that people wouldn't have any idea, nor did I before I got into the business, that you would just simply have to go with the flow and make things happen. Well, adaptability certainly seems to be the key, and, and we're going to take another break, Larry, but when we come back, I want to take those experiences that you've had as an FBI agent, uh, managing director of security for American Airlines, and now the director of security for the Dallas Cowboys, and apply that to overall business in today's day and age. And we'll talk more about that when we come back to the Black Box right after this break. More of the Black Box coming up. Black Box. I'm your host, Ken Jenkins, and in studio today with us is Larry Wansley, Director of Security for the Dallas Cowboys. And when we last left uh, for the break, Larry, we were talking about um, looking at your all your experience through being a police officer in the FBI and working for the Dallas Cowboys and American Airlines and taking it, because we spend a lot of time in aviation. What are some pieces, or what are some pieces of advice that you would share with organizations today. I mean, there's a lot in the news about cybersecurity issues and cyber threats and, and things going on within organizations, you know, hacking and things of that nature. But, and that's just one piece of it. What would you offer as advice to, to organizations as they look at their corporate security plans? What are some of the considerations uh, they should be taking into account? A cornerstone of my personal belief is what I call the three P's, and that is simply Plan, prepare, and practice. Um, always consider yourself vulnerable. Uh, with the um, increasing role of technology and cyberspace and what have you, the potential for being victimized is has has grown even even more. 
Um, there are so many ways that a, a corporation and obviously the employees thereof are, uh, are, are, are vulnerable. So consequently, it's going to be an, an incumbent upon that organization to support these security initiatives. Look at ways to be proactive. Look at ways that you can get out ahead of a, situ- a potential situation. Years ago, as you, from a security standpoint, you thought about all the potential ways that you could be attacked or you could be victimized and everything else. And years ago, you know, companies would say, eh, no, that's, that's preposterous, you're being paranoid, et cetera, et cetera. Well, uh, frankly, um, being a security person, being from the security environment, you have to think about the ways that you can be victimized. And so consequently, yes, you think outside the box, you think about the, the most remote possibilities. How can this happen? I think back to 20 years ago, 30 years ago, What's happening now, I couldn't even have imagined you know, what, what would be happening now. Um, but what my, what my advice is to any company, any organization, is to really consider the fact, look at what you do. Look at the industry that you're in, the business that you're in, the relationships that you have. How can you plan for even the, the, the worst, even the most far-fetched um, possibility. How can you plan for it? If you think about it and you come up with even the least you know, sketchy plan, or at least you've, you've given some thought to it, put it aside. It may be something that you may need to go back and build upon and everything else as time rolls on because every day there are new threats. There are new economic threats. There are new physical threats. You know, so consequently, you've got that's got to be an evolving process. But don't limit yourself. Don't put yourself in into a corner. Consider what can be done now. At least be thinking about it. Put together some plans. Tabletop exercises are really, really good to get all the relevant um, entities of a corporation together. At least be thinking about it. If this happens, or something happens, some emergency happens. How do we work together? Who do we communicate with? You know, let's come up with a way that we can be the most effective in protecting our assets, number one. Our assets are our people. Our assets are the various um, manufactured goods or our airplanes, whatever they are. How do we best protect our organization and our people? So, Larry, you you had said something in in the course of that description that – 30 years ago, there were things that, that are now, going back 30 years and now looking forward, th- things that are happening today that you wouldn't have thought of that would have happened 30 years ago. So I want to take you back a little bit. And Larry, you mentioned um, in episode number nine, we were talking about your background, and you mentioned that you provided security for Whitney Houston during one of her tours. And, and that made me think back to the time she sang the national anthem uh, in Tampa for the Super Bowl. And I think that was in 1991. Is that right? Yes, it was the 90 season, but Super Bowl run, rolls over into the next year. Whitney, the experience with Whitney was very, very special because I'm one of those few people that knew her when, before all the troubled uh, issues came up later on. Uh, they were horrible in, in the later years, but back then she was the world's sweetheart. 
and I handled her first world tour, so I, I knew a totally different Whitney. But I had gone back to football, and at the Super Bowl, she sang the national anthem. Well, I went to see her, just visit her in the dressing room, and we had a reunion, and then she asked me to accompany her to the field, uh, just like old times, and uh, which, which I did. The stadium was electric. It was the beginning of it was the beginning of the Gulf War. All the fans were holding flags. They were excited, and when she sang that anthem, it was the most powerful version of the anthem. There was not a dry eye in the house. The crowd is cheering. The flyover and everything else. Everyone had this incredible sense of patriotism and pride in our country, and, and it was an, a truly electric moment. My goodness, Larry, I, I, I have to say I'm, I'm, I'm in awe of your experience and your background and all of the information you shared with us today, and I know that everybody listening um, will certainly take um, what you've said to heart, and uh, I hope everyone will remember the three Ps that you mentioned, which is to plan, prepare, and practice. And with that, Larry, thank you for taking your time to record two episodes of The Black Box with us. Thank you well, very thank much you for being with us. thank you kindly. I appreciate it. Thank you. I hope this episode of The Black Box provided you valuable insight and information regarding the critical role of corporate security in the aftermath of an adverse event. I'd like to thank our guest, Larry Wansley, the Director of Security for the Dallas Cowboys, for taking the time to be with us today. If you'd like more information on the role of corporate security in the aftermath of a tragedy, please email me at theblackbox at kenjenkinsllc.com. I also invite you to follow me on Twitter and Facebook at kenjenkinsllc. If you'd like to reach out to Larry Wansley for information, please contact him via email at lwansley, W-A-N-S-L-E-Y, at att.net. From everyone on the Black Box, thank you for joining us. Until next time, be safe.